Just picture there's a um, a nice musical intro right now for you. Maybe a little guitar solo. This is for the quitters. Game quitters. Listen up, quitters. Game quitters. It's the Game Quitters Podcast with Cam Adair and Jason Wellwood. On today's episode, find out exactly what we're doing here and where we're taking you in the future. Now, your host and the founder of Game Quitters, Cam Adair. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. Really excited to be here. Episode one, super exciting. Jason, what's going on? You excited? You feeling it? Dude, I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this for a long, long time, and uh, we've got a lot of stories to tell today, so I think we should get right to it. Yeah, so where do you want to start? Today, let's kick it off and tell the people, Cam, what is this podcast all about? So the Game Quarters podcast is an idea we've had for actually quite a while, and really excited to kind of get started with it now. So Ultimately, Game Quitters right now is the largest support community for video game addiction. We serve 25,000 members a month in 79 countries around the world. And really, the mission of Game Quitters is ultimately to just help people with technology and addiction issues. Uh, We're not against gaming. You know, if you want to game, go ahead and game. That's all good in our books. But what we are really about is learning how to live a great life. And sometimes for some of us, that might mean that we need to you know, change a habit or overcome an addiction. Maybe it has to do with our relationship to gaming and technology. So this podcast is really an opportunity for all of us to kind of create that conversation, right? We really want to create a safe space, a, a container for us to be able to have conversation about our habits, about our lives, about gaming and technology, and really be able to bring, you know, a number of different people on from different areas, whether it's addiction professionals, counselors, therapists, maybe it's personal development coaches, maybe it's people from our community to share their story. We really want to kind of bring on friends and mentors and just people who can speak to, you know, how they live a great life and and be able to help you do that. Lots of practical advice. So yeah, really excited about it. And and we know that, you know, there's tons of value that we're looking to provide with this podcast. And I just want to echo a sentiment you made right at the beginning here where uh, you said, we don't hate gamers. We're not against people who game. In fact, myself, I would have considered myself still to be a gamer, not even maybe a little over a month ago, to be honest with you. Um, but for me personally, it was like time to, to get on board and make a change in my life. So really there is no hostility here. We're really here to just open the dialogue and, and inform people. Yeah. And with that being said, Cam, I think you would agree that we're not here to vilify gamers because at the end of the day, Gamers are people too, and we're not anti-people, we're anti-addiction more than anything. That's the purpose of game quitters in the first place. So why do you think it's so important that we open this dialogue and have conversations like this one about gamers and game addiction as well? The conversation, the narrative, ultimately has a big impact on what people do, their behavior, how people think, their perceptions. And, you know, an example is... You know, when school shootings happened a lot in the 90s, that really created this conversation around video games being violent and violence in video games causing people to go, you know, commit crimes in schools. And that caused a lot of stigma about gamers when, you know, yes, 
there may be some evidence, actually, there may be some research that may support that. I don't necessarily take a stand on that, but is that, you know, 99% of gamers, are they violent? Are they running around, you know, going to go shoot up a school? And the fact is they're not. You know, actually, most people who play are totally fine. 90% or more of people who play video games do it, and they're totally fine. It's a very healthy thing. It's a fun thing. It's something that is very meaningful to them. But for maybe up to 10%, maybe less, they're struggling with compulsive behavior. They're struggling with addiction, and it's having a negative impact on their life. And we really just want to be able to kind of speak to them and, and be able to help them live a great life, you know, whatever that means to them. I'm not here to tell you how you should live. I'm just here to give you some options or perspectives, maybe be able to give you some practical tips from my own experience in my own life to to see what you can take away from it. And so, you know, I'm really just excited to be able to create more of a conversation and, and have a wide range of people, you know, whether that's people I agree with, people I don't agree with, members of our community, people to come on and share their experience. You know, this is really about just facilitating a conversation amongst all of us. And it's not, uh, it's not up to us to be able to tell people what they should do, but just to give people a space to be able to talk and share their story. And, and that's what I'm really excited about. And so, you know, just quickly, I guess, Jason, you know, tell us kind of how you got involved in this project and, and a bit about where you're at. Yeah, the big question, you know, people, people always want to know, you know, what do you do is a common question. You've probably been asked that before, you know, you go and someone meets you for the first time and people have no effing clue who I am. I'm just sitting here on the podcast with you. Uh, I think an introduction is is required here. Um, so I'll tell you, I, the thing is, I don't want to give you the the stock answer. I don't want to just tell you, well, I've done X, X, and X because I believe that I'm not here because, yes, I do have a bro- uh, background in broadcast radio. I was in radio for two years. Sure, that's all great, and I can use those skills on the podcast, but really why I'm here is is not because of that stuff. It's because I was inspired to, um, you know, make a change and not just for my own life, but for others as well. And uh, I've always been looking for purpose in my life. I took a cue from you. You actually said in one of your videos once, you should take a stupid risk. That was one that really resonated with me. And I will talk more about this and get more into the story uh, in the future. But for now, I just want to say that was kind of like the, the start for me because I thought, you know what? I do have skills, I am worth something, and I can find purpose in my life, but I need to change now, and that's that's kind of where it started. And so the stupid risk was really just me going out there and not being scared to try something and putting on the blinders and just being completely oblivious to the fact that, yes, I could fail, things could go wrong, but I just need to try and not be scared to try. And by doing that, I'm sitting here now. Exactly. I don't know, just, just know that... Uh, the reason I'm, I'm really here is that uh, two people got together and, uh, you know, when two people love each other very much, a magical thing happens. And uh, <laughs> He's not talking about know. us, by the way. We're, we're not, I mean... <laughs> birth, Cam! I'm talking about birth. My parents. They made me. I'm just, I lost where I was going to go. Am I going too far? <laughs> okay, well, Cam gets his bearings again after our little detour there. Uh, why don't I throw a question your way? We'll, we'll turn the tables here. Cam, tell me a bit about why you're here. I'm sure there'll be more time for me to talk about uh, my backstory as the podcast grows, but I think a lot of people have heard your story before, but regardless, I think it's a really inspiring and a really good story to hear. And of course, there may be some newcomers with us today that haven't heard it. So Cam, tell us 
How did you get here? Why are you here, Cam? So I'm, I'm here because I feel like I'm more and more trying to step into leadership in my life. And, you know, my journey around video game addiction started, well, at least speaking about it, started in 2011. And so I wrote this article called How to Quit Playing Video Games Forever. And that was, you know, May 2011. It's crazy. It's so long ago. And in that article, I just kind of shared about my personal experience. You know, so growing up, I was a fairly normal Canadian kid. I went to school, played hockey, and I'd go home and play video games. And it was all good until the eighth grade when I began to experience a lot of bullying. And this bullying was things like kids chasing me around, trying to put me in a garbage can, or kids spitting on me on my hockey teams. And that caused me to no longer feel safe at school or, or on my teams. And so I actually dropped out of high school, not once, but twice, never graduated, never went to college. And while all my friends were off to college, I was at home gaming up to 16 hours a day. I was super depressed and pretending to have jobs, deceiving my parents, doing all these crazy things. And I actually got to a point where I wrote a suicide note. And that's the night when I realized that I need to make a change. And so that night, I remember I came home and I asked my father, I kind of told him like, you know, I'm not doing too well. And, and I realized that, you know, I could no longer prioritize my health and well-being. I no longer felt safe with myself. And, and I knew I could no longer continue to pretend that, you know, I could do this alone and I really needed to get help. So I actually asked my father if he could help me find a counselor. He said, yes, of course. And that counselor really challenged me to start making some changes. And one of them was actually for me to get a job and to keep it. And the deal he made was that if I didn't get a job within a week, I had to go on antidepressants. And now I'm not against antidepressants or medication. You know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan personally, but I knew that at least at the time, that's not something I wanted for myself. And so I got a job. It was at H&M in the kids' department. And the difference was when I got the job, that gave me some structure and stability. It gave me a reason to be waking up in the morning. It gave me something to do, right? I was spending my time working instead of at home with nothing to do but to game. Yeah, definitely. And I realized that I kind of had a second chance at life. And if I wasn't going to end my life, then I should do the complete opposite, which was to truly live it to the fullest and, and truly try to realize my potential. And in order to do that, I had to quit gaming because if I wasn't, if I was gaming, then I would just stay home all the time and game and, and never actually pursue any goals I had. And, you know, the only goal I really had at the time was to try to improve my social skills. I never really understood why I had no friends or why kids bullied me or these different things. And, and I really wanted to understand it more. So I decided to start going out. And if I was going to go out, I had to quit gaming because otherwise I would just stay home. And so I quit gaming and for two years I was fine. And then I relapsed. And when I relapsed, I had started to feel depressed again. And instead of escaping into gaming, I decided to escape into moving to a new city. I moved to Victoria, BC, that's on Vancouver Island. And I thought, oh, I'll just have a change of scenery. So I got there and I moved in with a new roommate, one of, a, one of them, his name is Ben, he was a professional poker player. And the first day we sat down, we were talking, getting to know each other, and we found out that we used to play the same game, StarCraft. And Ben was like, oh, you know, we should play. And I was like, ah, no, you know, I'm good. I quit. I don't really want to play. And he was like, oh, come on, we should play. And so later that night, I'll never forget it, I was sitting at my computer working on a blog post, and 
Ben came home and put the game in front of me and said, yo, let's play. And I was like, no, no, no. And he was like, yo, just one game. I was like, all right, fine. We played. He absolutely destroyed me. And, you know, all, all the gamers in the audience know that, you know, when someone absolutely destroys you at a game, you want to play, right? It hits your ego, and, and you want to get better and be able to compete. You know, competition for me has always been super strong. It's been a big driver for why I played. And so I committed that night to doing whatever it took to beat Ben and never allow him to beat me like he did ever again. And so I went from not gaming for two years to gaming 16 hours a night, every single day, all day, for five months straight. And actually the highlight of the time that I lived with Ben and James was on a, in October, they went uh, on a trip for three weeks. And I was so stoked that they were gone because I could just game in peace, right? No one had to see how much I was gaming. I could just game and game and game and no one had to see it. James used to ask me like, hey, let's go surfing. Hey, let's go climb a mountain. Hey, let's go to the gym. Hey, let's go out. Hey, let's take a bartending class. And I would always turn them down. But, you know, I would kind of feel bad about it, but not when they were gone. So eventually, obviously, I came to a point where I realized that, you know, I went from not gaming for two years, cold turkey, to gaming 16 hours a day again overnight. And that's not healthy. I stopped working. I stopped doing everything. So I knew I needed to make a change again. And, and this time I kind of took time to reflect on why did I go from not gaming for two years to gaming like 16 hours a day overnight? And I realized that there were specific reasons why I played. Temporary escape, social connection, constant measurable growth, and purpose. And it was actually those reasons why I was so drawn to games. And you know, those were just human needs we have. And if we find those in other activities, we won't feel so drawn to games. And so that's what I did. You know, I started learning how to DJ. I started going out again, hanging out with friends. I launched my own business. And those were fulfilling all those same things. I was working out, going to yoga. You know, today I surf. I do all these different things that fulfill the same needs. And in doing so, I, I don't feel as drawn to games. And so I quit once again. But this time, you know, I shared my story online in that blog post, right? Circle back. And the article just took off. And I was hearing every single day from kids as young as 10, 11, 12, all the way up to 50 plus, everything in between. And they were sharing their story saying, you know, me too. I struggle with a video game addiction. I struggle to quit gaming. I, I really want to quit, but I don't know how. I, I don't know what to do. And so for two years, actually, I just shared uh, comments. I would always respond. You know, people would comment thousand word essays, their life story. And I would always comment back just sharing, you know, any ideas I had from my own personal experience. And that turned into a TEDx talk called Escaping Video Game Addiction, which was kind of crazy. That's a whole different story. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. And that had a big response. And, you know, eventually I realized that we need to do something more. You know, there were a lot of people coming to me saying, hey, I want help. Please help. So we launched GameQuiz.com. And uh, it's been an absolutely incredible journey since. And so I'm really excited. This podcast is just, you know, the next evolution of that. It is. Yeah. I think podcasting is a great tool people can use to you know listen to different content on the go right while they're commuting maybe going to work maybe at the gym listen on your headphones and it's a really great opportunity to to learn some more practical information to live a great life to enjoy a good conversation to get to know other people's stories maybe to share your own story and to get your questions answered so you know part of the pro podcast we're going to have is, is a Q&A and so if you have any questions at any time you know we'll give you some details on that but love to take your questions and, and love to make this as interactive as possible to really be able to serve you, the person listening, as much as we can. Exactly. And that's 
that's something we really do want to focus on. This is a podcast for for you, right? And that's really what you and I discussed from the get-go is that it, it has to be people-focused because, you know, at the end of the day, we really do just want to help people. And, uh, you know, just throwing back, I just I just want to say, too, uh, from the beginning of your story to the end, it is, it is like I said, a great story. And uh, some of you may have heard it before. Some of you may have just heard it for the first time now. However, there's always been some things about it that I've wondered personally, and I, I don't know, maybe you don't mind if I ask you a few questions about that story and kind of dive a bit deeper into it. Hit me. We'll call it a behind-the-scenes look at Cam's story here. He has a page page of notes. I wish this was a video podcast, because this is one ugly-ass page of notes. I can hardly read this, um, but I'll do my best. He's about to hit me with the hard questions. This is one I gotta ask, because you've always referenced that, and I don't know if you touched on it here right now, but you used to sneak out of your bedroom and pretend you had a job or sorry you would leave the front door so you, your parents would see you leaving the house yep he's going to his job then you would sneak back in the window rather and you would play games how in the hell did you get away with that how did your parents not realize the kids back in the house you know typing away at the keyboard he's gaming how did you do that i've always wondered total ninja skills <laughs> so ultimately the way it worked was you know i i got a job as a prep cook at a restaurant called Joey's Tomatoes. Shout out to all my Canadians out there. And the job basically said that, you know, I would start at like 6 or 7 a.m. and then go until, you know, 1, 2, 3, 3 p.m., right? Yeah. And so every morning, you know, so I'd be up all night gaming. And then at like 5 in the morning, 5.30 maybe, I'd hop in the shower because I wanted to kind of make sure my parents felt the same, you know, heard the same sounds. My dad's like a super detective. You know, I remember sneaking out of my window you know, when I was younger to go to the store to get food, junk food, to play games or whatever. And my dad would like see my, you know, shoe marks in the snow and be like, where were you last night? Right. So a super detective father. And so I wanted to recreate it. So I, I'd wake up or not wake up, but like I'd get up, shower, get dressed. My dad would drop me off. And I always got him to drop me off at McDonald's across the street. And I'd have breakfast. He'd drive off. And then I'd walk across the street to the bus stop, catch the bus. And it would take me back home, and and I'd sneak in through my window and go to bed, right? And my parents were all at work during the day. And so I was sleeping at home. You know, they had no idea. And then they'd come home around, like, 3 or 4 or 5, and I'd always just be waking up. And they'd always ask me, like, why are you always sleeping when we get home? And I would just say, oh, you know, I came home and had a nap. Like, you know, I have to be up super early, like 5 a.m., right? And that would work for, like, a couple weeks until they'd start to ask me, Yo, where's the paycheck? Yeah. And so around that time, I would always kind of just make up some excuse like, you know, I got fired, I quit my job, you know, whatever it is. And the whole strategy was just around confusion. So I, you know, I would say I got fired, I quit my job, and then I would get another job. So this next job I got was at a land center. And so I, I could be there technically working the graveyard shift. I was really just gaming all night. And then again, two, three weeks later, just kind of say, oh, you know, I got fired or I quit. And the whole strategy was around just confusing them and wearing them down because after doing that a couple of times, they were just like, fuck it, you know, yeah. this is like just not worth it. But they didn't catch and, on uh, eventually. They didn't see that, hey, this is strange. Something else is going on here. No, they didn't even know until um, the night before my TEDx Boulder talk in 2013, you know, we were out for a walk. My parents flew down for the talk, which was awesome. And... I was like, hey, guys, you know, I need to let you know about something. And they were like, okay. And I was like, well, 
remember those jobs? Yeah, I didn't really have them. I was pretending to have them because I was going to share this in my talk in the video and I didn't want to kind of blindside them in the audience. And so I kind of shared that with them and, and they just kind of laughed and were like, you know, of course, because that was, I was kind of a crazy kid, right? Like when my parents used to ground me, you know, when I was younger, I would ground them back. So I would put passwords on the computer. <laughs> I would, you know, take all the power cords and hide them from the TV. So like you, if Cam's grounded, everyone's grounded. And, uh, you know, until Cam's ungrounded, everyone else is, doesn't get to use a computer, doesn't get to watch TV. So I was a bit of a crazy kid and far too smart for my own good, especially socially. Uh, I realized that my parents' fear of losing me was greater than my fear of losing them. Of course, I was bluffing because I was a kid. Yeah. But I was really able to kind of push on those buttons. And uh, my poor parents, shout out to them. They're, they're absolutely amazing. And I'm super thankful yeah. to have them. And they must be so proud of you now. I, I'm actually curious, that moment when you told them, hey, listen, I've been lying to you for a long time. I'm about to go up on stage and tell all of these people, but you need to know first, what was the emotion in the room? Like, what? how did they respond to that? You know, what did they feel betrayed? Did they still hold on to that? Have they forgiven you? They, they just laughed. They just laughed. They la they just laughed because they, 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 it's almost like they expected that sort of craziness, right? And so they just laughed. And, you know, obviously it, it had been a number of years later and I was speaking at TEDx the next day. And, you know, I've come a far way, right? And I'll, I'll give myself credit for that. I know they're super proud. Uh, my parents actually, for the first time, shared part of their story. And you can read that in the uh, article in the Toronto Star, the three-page spread that the newspaper did on, on my story. But, you know, they interviewed my parents for multiple hours and, and heard from them for the first time, right? No one's ever done that before. And, and even for them to be able to share their story took a lot of courage. Because, you know, one thing I've started to realize, and this is interesting, you know, for the podcast is, you know, me being so public about my story also is actually being public about my family and about their story. And that has an impact on them. And, and you know, we're launching a parent course and one of the biggest obstacles that we're finding with parents is, you know, I want to do workshops for parents. I want to do, uh, you know, speaking engagements to, to share with parents about this, this issue and, and how they can help. But parents don't want to come to a workshop where they have to admit, you know, that maybe they're struggling because of the reflection that has of them as parents. Right. And so it's really interesting because even though parents would really want to, you know, do a good job and, and that's all of that. There's also a lot of pressure for them to be good parents and, and especially amongst other parents, right? So I'm super, super lucky to have amazing parents who always had my back, always told me to pursue excellence and be great and go for it and work really hard. And I made it absolutely, I was a terror as a child. I made it very difficult, but uh, they stuck by me and, and always kind of had this, they always had this vibe of like, you're going to figure it out. And, you know, we're not happy. This is not easy on us, but like we believe in you. And I think that made a big difference. Wow. That's incredible uh, to have that kind of support. Actually, my next question for you, um, and you kind of answered it there was, did you, I, I know you were bullied and you were very isolated as a child, but did you have anyone on your side that was rooting for you that maybe knew that you had a problem with games that, that was not oblivious to this, that was trying to get you out of it or trying to help you, but maybe you didn't want to listen or were you completely alone in this thing? I definitely didn't bring people in. And that's been a journey for me of learning to be vulnerable. A great book for everyone listening that helped me a lot with that was The Gifts of Imperfection by Brené Brown. She has another one called Darren Greatly that really helped me be able to embrace vulnerability in my life. And 
in embracing vulnerability and opening up and being more public, you know, just open about my story and struggles and challenges and all of that, it's allowed other people to, you know, just know who I am. And whether that means that they are able to support me, you know, much better at asking for help, or if it just means that they actually know who I am and, and what I go through, you know, I think it's very important. My parents didn't even know about the bullying that I was going through until the second TEDx talk I gave. Really? Where on stage, you know, I shared about those stories of being spit on and being chased around at lunch hour. They didn't, they didn't even know. I remember my mom, you know, had tears in her eyes during the talk because she had no idea. And, you know, one of the stories was after that experience where I was being spit on on my hockey team's bus, uh, my dad had picked us up from the bus that night and I was really quiet. We were dropping one of my teammates off at his house and it was like one one thirty in the morning. And as soon as, you know, my teammate walked into his house and my dad got back in the car, I just started bawling hysterically. And my dad had like no idea what was going on. And I didn't tell him. And I remember the next day I quit my hockey team and my parents were like, what is going on? And I never told them, you know, I never told them until standing on stage in Fargo, North Dakota, speaking at TEDx for the second time, sharing finally for the first time about those stories. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's part of it, especially around addiction or mental health or challenges that we have is we have a lot of shame about it and we don't want to tell people because we're judging ourselves or we're worried about other people judging us and i think that the more we can open up and share our story and share about our struggles and be just more open the more connection we'll actually have which is what we truly desire right whether it's connection with ourselves or connection with other people and so i'm just trying to be an example of that and this podcast will be an example of that and you know just giving people the opportunity to be more open because at least in my life, being more open has brought a lot to my life, uh, a lot of connection, a lot of friends, and just not having to hide, right? Like the more you're hiding in your life, the more that's impacting your life. And so I just try to be as open as possible. There is another point of that story that always has stood out to me too that I, I do want to ask you about. You said you moved out with a, uh, was this in Victoria where you moved in with your friend who was a poker player? That was in Victoria? Yeah, Ben. Ben, Ben the poker player. So you move in with Ben and uh, he was an avid player of it's StarCraft. That was your game, right? Mm-hmm. Why was StarCraft the game that just grabbed you and, and uh, wouldn't let you go? What what got you addicted to that and, and why that? Yeah, what I love about StarCraft personally is just real-time strategy, right? So I love strategy, I love I love all of that, and I love the real-time aspect of it, right? So I loved games like StarCraft, Counter-Strike, right? And both of those are very, like, there's a lot of strategy, they're highly competitive, and you're able to see your skill improve, and it's all competition, right? And so anything like that, even chess for me, right? I love ping pong now, it's very similar. It's, you know, in the moment, strategic, and it's, it's based on skill. And that's one of the things I love is I love anything where I can put time in, I can be resourceful, I can, you know, continue to invest in it and get better and in getting better, get better results, right? So I, I love anything like that. Business is like that too, right? So anything that's competitive in that way really draws me in. So... He comes up to you then, he's got a copy of StarCraft, and you've sworn this thing off because it's it's ruining your life, you know? It's not helping you become a better person. You're depressed, you've, you know, contemplated suicide, you're not in a good place, and he puts this in front of you. 
and says, we got to play and you did cave in, but was there a part of you that kind of felt offended that he would come and, and introduce this back into your life? Maybe he didn't know where you came from. Maybe he didn't know the full story, but how did you feel when you saw that sitting on your desk in front of you? I would be offended now. You know, I'm, I'm offended when I go do media pieces and they have all the B-roll of video games because it's like the segment is on video game addiction and you're using B-roll that could be very triggering. You know, an example is uh, I did this interview for Global News in Calgary and we did, we did the interview in a gaming center, like literally standing in a gaming center. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. People were gaming next to me. You know, and like for me, I can take that. I can handle it. I'm I'm very very aware and mindful, and you know, aware of that stuff. But for a lot of people, that would be like it's, it's like taking an alcoholic to to a bar, right? And being like, let's talk about your addiction to alcohol. Is I'm offended about that. But with with Ben, I wasn't offended because I don't even think that I had the level of consciousness to even understand what was going on. Right. I mean, this was a different cam at that point too. Um, so, you know, you, you did go back into it and it did kind of hook you and, th- and that led to, you know, eventually a beautiful moment where you decided, listen, enough's enough and I'm never going back ever again. And actually, before we started this podcast, I had that conversation with you. It was actually the first time we had spoken. I mentioned that to you. I said straight up, I just want to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I haven't been game free for a long, long time. I'm not quite up to the you know, I haven't got the record that you've got going, but I do want to change. And I, I mentioned to you that there's a moment you have where you just realize suddenly, I don't need this anymore. And you say that to yourself. And trust me, I've said it many times to myself and I've fallen back into the habit. But there's this time where you hit it and you realize this is the moment. This is the moment where I actually mean it. And I know that I don't have to think about it. I don't second guess it. I just know that I'm done. And it's like this weight, it's cliche, but the weight is lifted off your shoulders and you do feel like a new person. And I am without a doubt done with that part of my life and I'm happy about it. So I'm glad that you got to that point. Otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. My final question about your story, it's kind of almost like a two-parter. This one, again, it's, you know, asked a lot, but knowing your state of mind at the time and knowing where you are now, comparatively, what, what would you have done differently if you could go back and change anything? What would that be? I mean, I, I'd love to redo my whole childhood, <laughs> really. You know, it was kind of crazy. But I think ultimately it's as cliche as it is. You know, everything that, you know, I've been through has brought me to where I am today. And, and you can't give that up, you know. I like where I am today. And so, you know, there's nothing really that I want to kind of go back and change. I mean, I don't really like the fact that, you know, there were certain things I went through that were really hard and challenging and didn't make me feel great. And I've spent a long, 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 long time working through things like that, low self-esteem, you know, self-worth, like being able to learn to like myself or like people. But it's all brought me to where I am today. And you know, I live a very blessed life now. You know, I live in San Diego. I go surfing. I have like a world-class group of friends. Like truly, I have so many friends. I almost need to start giving some of them away. You know, I, I have a, a business that's absolutely amazing and brings so much purpose to my life. You know, I've been to 25 countries around the world. I travel. I go to Tanzania here in a, in a couple months to work with a village there that, you know, we're building a relationship with. And I live a very amazing life. And I'm very blessed very grateful and 
everything I've been through, everything that you have been through has brought you to where you are today. And so it's nothing that I can really go back and change. It's all made me who I am. And uh, that allows me to have the impact that I have. And I'm very conscious of, of the fact that, you know, there's a, there's a big impact here. My inbox is full of these stories. You know, YouTube comments are full of these stories. And, and hopefully, you know, from this podcast, we hear those as well, because that really adds fuel to why we do what we do. Yes. And I suppose that officially leads us to part two of this question. And it's an audience participation portion, believe it or not. We're actually going to be doing a Q&A at the end of every podcast. And in just a few minutes here, Cam is going to give you all of the details you need if you want to send in some questions for future podcasts. And you're asking right to the man himself. He'll answer your questions, basically anything you want to know or anything related to the topic of the podcast, we're happy to answer. But right before we get to that, Cam, let's talk briefly about what the goal of Game Quitters is. Because at the end of the day, we are here to help people get over their problems with video game addiction. But exactly how do you propose we do that? And what do you see for the future of Game Quitters? So we want to help 10 million people complete the 90-day detox, which we'll share so many more details about on this podcast. If you're interested just for now, you can go to gamequitters.com backslash detox to learn all about that, why it's important, why 90 days, what the research is. Again, that's gamequitters.com backslash detox for all that information. But I believe that from everything I've seen, there's at least 10 million people worldwide who struggle with a video game addiction. And if anything, that number could be 50 million. And so I think that it's by bare minimum, we need to be able to help at least 10 million people. And what we've done and what research has shown and what I believe in is a 90-day detox, you know, cold turkey from gaming, 90 days of abstinence is a huge step in the right direction. And so 10 million people completing the 90-day detox is our big goal. And uh, once we accomplish that, we'll go on to something else. But, you know, really this whole purpose of, of the podcast and game quarters and, and YouTube and everything that we do is just being able to help people live a good life. And part of how we can do that is helping to shift the narrative in the media about video game addiction. You know, there was an article recently in the New York Times that said video games aren't addictive. And it was by these researchers that, you know, I, I just don't really understand where they get their information. But, you know, I don't understand how you could spend even three minutes on the Game Quitters forum or on Stop Gaming and Reddit and not see that there are a lot of people who struggle with a video game addiction. And that's having an impact on their life. It's impacting their relationships. They're failing out of school. They're unemployed. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're losing loved ones. They're not interacting with their kids. And that shit matters. And so what we're really just trying to do is be able to support people in the best way possible, in the best way that we can, to be examples of what we speak about. You know, I try to be an example of what I stand for, what my values are. and what I dream about, what my visions are. That's different for everyone, but I just try to be an example for my life and, and hopefully inspire other people to be an example for them in their life. Uh, so 10 million people, that's the big goal. It's really exciting. If you haven't done your detox yet, go to gamequiz.com backslash detox. Start today. And uh, if you're looking for any more information on that, you can email us, cam at gamequitters.com. Hit us up on Twitter, at Cameron Dare. And uh, love to chat with you and you know we have a Q&A coming up and and something really big for me is 
you know, I want to make this podcast about you. I want to be able to provide support for you, bring bring you on, share your story, answer your questions. So if you have any, you can hit me up, cam at gamequiz.com, on Twitter, at Cameron there. Ask your questions. You can find me. Love to be able to provide tremendous, tremendous value for you. There you go. And that's all you need to know about the Q&A segment. But speaking of the Q&A segment, let's, let's do this right now, shall we? I'm excited because we've got some great questions here today. Are you ready, Cam? Born ready. He's born ready. Let's do this. All right. So question one was sent in by Nadia. Nadia. Uh, Nadia's a friend of yours, isn't she? Yeah, we were out for drinks last night and uh, I was like, yo, we're doing the first episode tomorrow and we're going to do a Q&A. You know, what questions do you have? And, and so my, my two friends, Nadia and uh, Yelena, asked a couple I'm questions. I'm assuming this is some sort of inside joke. It's an inside You're joke. saying her name in like probably the most annoying way you possibly could. It's, uh, we've spent the last month kind of hanging out two friends of mine from Denver and uh, they're both Russian. So Nadia has a <laughs> uh, very strong Russian accent and she says certain words really funny like noodles. And uh, I just constantly have kind of made fun of her for it. But it's it's because it's fun and, and I love travel and culture and accents and, you know, just being ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, the first question's from her. She's cursing your name as we speak. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Might be getting a little hate from Nadia. Or, sorry, Nadia. Um, all right. So her question is quite simple. Uh, gradual or cold turkey? What's the way to go, Cam? I believe in quitting gaming cold turkey for 90 days and that might seem intense for a lot of people but the reason is because gaming is your crutch gaming is your vice gaming is what's maybe not allowing you to see the underlying reasons for why your behavior is what it is so gaming may not necessarily be the cause right gaming may just be the mask and at least in my experience, you know, I was being bullied. I had low self-esteem. I, I had low self-worth. I, I had no goals. It was things like that that were causing me to just escape into gaming. But by continuing to game, I wasn't able to fix any of that. And so quitting gaming cold turkey is kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off. It seems intense. It might hurt for a split second. You know, for a couple of days, you might kind of be overwhelmed. But it's going to show you what you need to see in order for you to grow and in order for you to truly transform your life. Yeah. And so we recommend quitting cold turkey for 90 days. It's called the 90-day detox. And we've seen tremendous results. You know, we have a research paper coming out right away about it. And it works. And I just think that trying to quit gradually doesn't work for very, very many people. And it's really just a way to yeah. procrastinate. It, it's a hard road. And, you know, I can attest to that, too, if you don't mind me chiming in on that one, because... I've done this myself. I've tried the gradual thing versus the cold turkey thing. Every time I tried the gradual thing, what ended up happening is I would get to a point where I was doing so good because I honestly, even though I told myself, you know, I'll maybe just play on the weekends for a couple hours or whatever. Sometimes I wouldn't even want to, so I wouldn't. But then I'd get to a point because I was allowing myself to have the option to play that if I got into a bad space, I was feeling low or lonely or down, then I would go to games, but it would start this cycle that was just, you know, self-perpetuating. It would, it would start, it would suck me in, and before I knew it, I was playing for hours a day. And I didn't even want to do that in the first place. But it's because I gave myself the option to do it 
that uh, it was always working against me. So I, I totally agree with you on the cold turkey thing. It is a lot harder, but sometimes to shock yourself and just jump right in, uh, you know, there's there's a benefit to that. Yeah, and we'll go more into it in future episodes, but there is a brain chemistry component to why you play. And because of that, quite a big impact on, on why you play. And that's part of why quitting gradually just doesn't work as well, because part of why you're stuck playing games is because you're in a position where your brain is so used to games that it continue it causes you to continue to play and so even if you're playing gradually you're only playing a bit you're still exposed to it and as your brain is more exposed to gaming you crave it more and more and more so it's so much easier to end up just playing more and more and more and more so it's just something that you need to pay attention to it's it's something that i just think quitting cold turkey it's far easier. The first couple of days will be intense, but you'll get through it. And join us on the forums, gamequiz.com slash forum for extra support. The community would love to help. Hell yeah. Well, uh, Nadia's not done yet. She actually sent in a second part to her question, which I think is fitting. So let's say you've done the cold turkey thing. You're just getting started, but you're a little confused. Nadia asks, what do you replace gaming with? So if, if you're playing 10 hours a day, how am I going to replace that 10 hours? I mean, that's a big span of time where I used to do this thing. What do I do now? So first you need to identify why you play. You know, what needs is gaming fulfilling for you? Next, you need to find those needs in other activities. So I believe you need to find three different types of activities to fill the void. Number one, something mentally engaging, something that's a goal, a skill to develop. Things like learning a new language, martial arts, sports, learning programming, anything that's mentally engaging. The second is something that's resting, so something you can do at home when you're tired and bored from the day. Reading, cooking, listening to podcasts like this one, anything that you can do when you're tired and you're at home. Number three is something social. So part of why you play video games is because it's a social experience. It's a community. It's something where you feel uh, accepted. So finding new friends that don't have gaming in co- that you don't have gaming in common with is really really important. So you know, joining a club, going to meetups, going to events. That will help a lot. So those are the three areas of activities, something mentally engaging, something resting, and then something social. Now, the other part is that if you were gaming for 10 hours a day, when you quit, you're going to have a lot of free time. And you need to be super mindful of not being bored because if you're bored, well, gaming can't be any worse than boredom, right? So you need to schedule your time. You need to start using an agenda. You need to focus on time management using something called the Pomodoro technique, which is like scheduling 30 minute blocks, one hour blocks, and then taking a small break, you know, five, 10, 15 minute break, non-digital break, that will help a lot. So at least initially, I really recommend, you know, schedule an activity for 30 minutes, take a five minute break, go outside, go for a walk, do another activity for 30 minutes, take a break, go get some tea, drink some water, do another 30 minutes, really schedule your time. The more you can be out of the house, the better as well. Right on. Solid advice and a big thank you to Nadia for sending in her questions. Question three, Cam. We're not done yet. Um, Let's see. Who is the sender on this one? We have Mr. Alexander Monk. Namaste to you, my friend. One of our longest, most veteran members. Awesome guy. You can check out his amazing segment for TV New Zealand that he was featured on. Right on. It's on GameQuiz.com and uh, on the YouTube channel as well. And Alex is a is a very 
very good member of our community, Alex the Grape, on the forums. He's been journaling for a long time. Super inspiring. Shout out to Alex. Hey, I love your last name, by the way. Monk. That is, that's killer, man. I like it. Unique. Peaceful. Tranquil. Hmm. Anyways, his question. After quitting gaming, how do you determine what is most important to you for setting a new direction and making long-term goals? This all comes down to your values. So when you quit gaming, you really want to start to think about what are your values? What do you care about? If you could do anything, what would you do? For me, I wanted to have my own business because I wanted freedom and flexibility to do whatever I wanted. I didn't want to have to have a boss who could tell me you know, what I could or could not do. And so I really wanted that freedom and flexibility. And so starting my own business was part of it. But I didn't just want to start a business to make money. I wanted to start a business that could make a difference in the world and that could also pay my bills. So a social enterprise. So that gave me direction, right? I had to learn how to start a business. I had to learn how to you know, be able to do it where it could have a big impact but also be sustainable. We're working on that right now, right? That's a challenge that I'm having right now. I also wanted to travel. I wanted to have an amazing group of friends. So really just... Thinking about, you know, what are my values? Who do I want to be surrounded by? And ultimately, what are these things I want? I wanted my own business. I wanted an amazing group of friends. I wanted an amazing relationship. I wanted to live in California where I could go surfing every day and not have to deal with the cold in Calgary. No offense to Jason. That was a lot of what I wanted. <laughs> You'll come back. And you always come back. That's That's a lot of what I wanted. And so I think you have to allow yourself to dream and have visions and then start to think about what are the small steps along the way that will help me get there. For me initially, that was just traveling. I couldn't move to California because I had to get a visa, but I just traveled for a while, worked on getting the visa. Once I had the visa, then I moved to California. That took me eight months, and I traveled for about a year and a half, two years before that, right? But you can have the vision, and once you have the vision, now you can start to backwards engineer the steps you need to take to get there, but it all starts with your values. I value freedom. So I need to work for myself. I value flexibility. I value integrity. I value making a difference in the world. So really thinking about what are your values because those are going to guide you long-term. Right on. And a great answer. And, you know, I want to tack on something to that too because it's like you said, you have to look at what are your values, what what do you want, uh, what's, you know, inside of you waiting to come out. You know, what is that thing you want to chase after? But I think for some people too, especially like I've experienced this myself where I you know, searched for something for so long that you just confuse yourself about it, what it really is that you want. Do you have any advice on that? Like maybe are there some exercises or ways that you would recommend for people to find that thing they want in the first place? Because maybe that's hazy to them. Maybe they don't really know what they want. They just know that they want something better. Yeah. So you can do things like vision boards. You can just really start to look at if you could have anything, what would you want, right? What about your relationships? Where do you want to live? What kind of weather do you like? What kind of activities or bucket list items have you had, right? I, I, I always wanted to learn how to surf, but I didn't live anywhere where I could surf. So that was a big part of it. I really think that, at least initially, if you don't know what you want, there's always something that you want that may just be a, a next step. So for me, that was quitting my job and starting my own business. I knew I wanted that. I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to live, live in California, because I didn't even allow myself to think that that was even possible. There are things that you want. There are always things that you want, but you may not be allowing yourself to actually think about them or think of them as possibilities. 
But then you want to look at what's underneath that, right? I'm an example of it's possible to move to the U.S. from Canada, get a visa, start your own business, make a difference in the world. And that's why I try to be an example of what I stand for, right? But initially, even just starting small, you can read a book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Great book. Start small, take small steps, but there's always something that you want. You may just not be allowing yourself to truly think that it's possible. Yeah, and it, it really is. It's funny when you, you mentioned that Slight Edge. That is a great book. Uh, I recommend it as well. The thing that sucks hard about the slight edge, the thing I hate most is that you really can't see that daily progress. And it just, it kills because when you play games all the time, you're getting, you're getting pinged for, Hey, congratulations. You did this. You've leveled up. You earned this in a, in one day. Whereas with the slight edge, you're really improving yourself for the better, but you don't see it. You don't see it for maybe months at a time, if even that. But it works. It works so well if you can commit to it. We got two questions left. We got one from Yelena, and then we got one from Maria, I think, on YouTube. At what point does it become addiction? Ooh, a good question. Uh, am I addicted because I play it a lot for a lot of hours? Or I guess what she's asking, what defines an addiction? For me, what defines an addiction ultimately comes down to negative impact. So is it having a negative or positive impact on your life? Is it something that you are trying to quit, but you're unable to, so maybe you relapse? Is it something you've tried to moderate before and you failed? Is it something where you have to continue to play more and more and more? That's called tolerance. Is it something that preoccupies your mind? So just playing a lot of hours though, Cam, is that is that enough to say you're addicted? Do you agree with that or no? It's not, and research doesn't support that from what I've read. And so I think so often people are like, well, how many hours a day are you allowed to play? Should you play for just this many hours, that many hours? It's not about that. It's about negative impact. It's about your ability to, to moderate, control your behavior, right? It's not about hours. I think hours may be, you know, something you can look at as like a red flag, but it's not something that necessarily correlates to addiction. So you really just want to look for negative impact. Um, and the final question is from... Maria, and she's from YouTube, and she's been leaving some amazing comments lately. So really appreciate that. If you guys haven't checked out the YouTube channel, check out Game Quitters on YouTube. We have like 150 videos for free answering every question you could ever imagine. If you really like to hear my voice just all the time, YouTube is a great yeah. place. You but, should just make a playlist of just all your videos, and uh, people can just put that on. Like, you know, they could be cleaning the house, you know. Have it on, take the dog for a walk. Just listen to Cam talk. Make people go crazy. All day. So her question is is about whether or not she should pursue getting professional support. And it's a great question, and it's one that I strongly believe in. I think that professional support has helped me a lot. You know, getting that counselor really helped hold me accountable and, and was so important for me in my life. And so, you know, yes, you should definitely do it. And be patient with yourself. Some counselors or therapists or professionals are better than others. Some will understand you and what you're going through better than others. And so be patient. Maybe you have a session with someone that doesn't really work out as, as well as you thought. That's okay. Try to find someone else. Try to find someone who really understands you and that you connect with, you resonate with. Because having professional support makes a big difference, whether you have you know, a big challenge or not, right? You don't have to go for professional support just because you're having some sort of challenge in your life. Just having someone that you can bounce ideas with or be honest with or talk about things that maybe you don't feel comfortable talking to anybody else about. I think professional support's really, really important and, and highly encourage each of you to go. And there's a website called talkspace.com 
where you can get some professional support online so you don't even have to leave your house. It's very cheap, inexpensive, and uh, it's something that I think is worth pursuing if it's an idea that you have. But, you know, find someone that you resonate with and always, you know, just really try to use people in your life for whatever you can to learn from, right? Whether it's professional support or friends or family or people you can lean on, the forum on Game Quitters. Just there's a lot of help and support available if you open yourself up to receiving it. Two heads are better than one, I guess. So if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for it. You find that just by asking, amazing things can happen. I'm sitting right here on a podcast with Cam Adair, so proof. Anyways, I think that's pretty much it for questions for today. But uh, Cam, why don't we just remind the good people, the good listeners, how they can get involved if they have a question they'd like to ask for next week. So if you have a question, email me, cam at gamequitters.com, or message me on Twitter, at Cameron Dare. Love to hear from you guys. Always love your questions. Your questions are ultimately what this podcast is all about. And so take advantage of it. Take initiative. Reach out. Ask for support. Ask for help. And we'll feature you on the show. Love to hear all your questions. So, again, cam at gamequitters.com or cam rindare on Twitter. Love to hear from you guys. Question. Just to avoid making a fool of myself for the next, oh, I don't know, however long we're doing this. How do you actually pronounce your last name? Because I've seen it written different ways on the internet. And maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying it correctly. It's a dare. It is a dare. The way that you spell it is A-D-A-I-R. That's my real last name. But then on Twitter, it's at Cameron Dare, which is D-A-R-E, which is actually my DJ name, Cameron Dare, like I dare you. And uh, so it's just a play on that. But my real name is Cam Adair, A-D-A-I-R. There we go. I knew something was, was, was fishy, man. I knew something wasn't right. But hey, I got it right the first time, so go me. I think that's pretty much it for the show for today. Uh, Cam's already you know, said where you can find him if you're looking for him, all those great places. I'll throw it out there as well. I'm starting up a Twitter account for the purpose of the podcast if you want to send questions my way as well. Either way, uh, they're going to get on here somehow. My uh, Twitter just freshly created into the world, so be nice. It is uh, at JP underscore dub. That is J-A-Y-P underscore D-U-B. And uh, I will also be on the Game Quitters forum right away here. I actually just signed up for that and waiting for my confirmation email. That'll be JP underscore dub as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can start getting to know some of you out there as well as we, you know, continue to do this podcast. Very enthusiastic about being a part of the community with Cam here and helping as much as I can and in any way that I can. So... And Jason's a great example of taking dumb action. Oh, yeah. So dumb. Right? So I sent out an email, said, yo, who's got skills? Who wants to help? Who wants to help grow the community? And Jason hit me up and was like, yo, let's do a podcast. And, you know, he took that initiative. And in doing so, yep, you know, here we are. Right? So I just want to kind of, like, let Jason be an example of, you know, take initiative in your life and uh, take dumb action. Send those emails. Reach out to people. You never know how, how it can work out. And... Really looking forward to this. Bear with us as as we learn this whole podcasting thing. It's new to us, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm very, very thankful for, for Jason's help. And, you know, this is going to be a fun journey. So uh, stay tuned. Let us know how we can support you. Cam at GameQuitters.com. Check out the forum, GameQuitters.com slash forum. YouTube, GameQuitters on YouTube. Search GameQuitters far and wide. And uh, we're here to help. Get on there. 
check it out. And hey, we'll save it for tomorrow's episode. But speaking of reaching out to Cam with some dumb action, you won't believe it. But here's a little teaser. I actually stood him up. You know, I, I disrespected the man behind Game Quitters. It's true. Before I even got on good terms with him. And I'll tell you how that happened next week because it's a funny story. So thanks for joining us. Are we signing off? We're signing off. Peace out. Peace out.